You are now listening to the Stova Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Our message comes to us from our teaching and discipleship pastor, Pastor Jordan Wood. Have a listen. begin this morning with reading scripture from Luke chapter 19, 28 through 40. And it reads, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, and when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Let's pray one more time. Father, this morning, Lord, we offer you this brief moment of praise. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to receive it today. Help us to be open today. Lord, may the words of of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Help us to see what you see today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning once again. I am so happy to be here in person with you. Amen? I, you guys don't know what happened this week. <laughs> Let me tell you. You know, it, it, like I said, it's a privilege to be here. You see, in the middle of the night, in the wee hours of Thursday morning, so Wednesday night became Thursday, and, and then in the wee hours of Thursday night, my son Gabriel had about a degree fever of about one degree. Okay, no other symptoms. Uh, but the next day, my other son was also getting a slight fever, maybe half a degree. And my wife was also feeling just a bit off. And so I knew I was preaching this week. And so we all rushed to uh, get an appointment to get tested for the vid, y'all. And, uh, and so the earliest appointment they had was Friday afternoon. I, I felt fine, by the way. I had no symptoms. I feel great. I feel great today. But we 
in the, the abundance of caution, wanted to make sure that uh, we uh, got tested. So we all went to uh, Markham Stovall Hospital. And let me just say that they're doing a fantastic job over there. The healthcare workers, absolutely. Thank the Lord for blessing us with a great hospital nearby and great workers, doctors, nurses, staff, everybody involved. It was so efficient. We were in and out in like seven minutes. A whole family of four got tested. And uh, we weren't sure if we were from Friday at 4.30 going to be able to get the results in time. Uh, you know how the story ends because I'm here, right? Okay. Uh, for me to preach on Sunday morning. So uh, we thought it best that I, we would record the message. And so Stefan had an early shift, woke up, at, started a shift at 3 in the morning on Saturday after work, came in here and recorded me preaching this message. Thank you, Pastor Stefan, for making it happen. So this is the second time that I'm going to preach this. And let me tell you, the crowd is already better than yesterday. Amen? So we were all negative, which is a positive. See how messed up the world is? Okay. If it's positive, that's negative. Anyway, think about it later. Let me encourage you, whether in person or online, the word of the Lord is not bound by technology. The word of the Lord is not bound by our weaknesses, but he, he, he's able to reach us and to shape us and to transform us by his word, to conform us into the likeness of his son. And in so doing, we come to find ourselves within the story of his love. You know, speaking of my son, Gabriel, let me share this cute story with you. It happened on a Friday. And uh, for my older son, I have the privilege of taking him to school and picking him up. And, you know, we pick him up uh, from the Harry Bowes school. I drive over there and, and go and grab him at 3 o'clock every day. And, uh, you know, he had this sort of real intense look on his face. So I said, Gaby, you know, how was your day? How you doing? He said, you know, Dad, I got a story that's going to... You're going to be really happy about this story. So I said, okay, really? So we hopped in the car, and uh, we begin to drive home. He's in the back seat right behind me. I'm looking at him through the rear view, and he begins to tell me this story. He said, you know, Dad, my teacher, Madame Chartrand, he's got a French accent now, has been giving us stuff for, you know, good behavior. Like when we, we do something that we're supposed to do, we collect these little dollars and cents and we accumulate them. And then when we have enough of these imaginary dollars and cents, we can go to the imaginary store in the class and we can trade them in for something. And this makes my son extremely happy. So he had accumulated something like $10.00. And he went and he, he went to this imaginary store and he saw all the little prizes and little tokens, things that they had, and he traded it in for a glorious but small, beautiful marble. And he was, he was cherishing this marble like it was his firstborn child. He loved this marble. In fact, he loved this marble so much, the problem was is that he wouldn't put it down. He kept it wherever he would go. He'd carry it out on recess. He'd carry it out on lunch. He'd carry it in his hand. He'd have to put it down to do his work. He loved this marble. But 
you know, maybe know where the story's going. He lost this marble. And he felt so sad and dejected. He's telling me the story. I'm, I didn't even know this was happening. He's telling me the story on our drive home. I said, oh, son, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that. You might say, Pastor Jordan, your son Gabriel, he's awfully young to be losing his marbles. I agree with you. So the teacher knew how broken he was about losing this marble, and she actually gave him a second marble. Thank you, teacher. That was nice of you. Replace the marble that was lost, because I guess he couldn't function without it. But even though he had this replacement marble, he was still sad and broken up about the first original one that he had lost. You know what he decided to do? Bless God, he decided to pray. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, help me to find my lost marble. In Jesus' name, amen. And sure enough, as he's at his cubby praying to God, he looks down at his feet and he sees his lost marble. There was a pause in the story, and I said, isn't that the end? He said, Dad, I experienced the life of Job. <laughs> I cracked up so hard, I had to almost pull over because tears were coming in my eyes. <laughs> because he, he lost everything, and then he got double at the end. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you guys know your Bible? The word is having an impact, whether it's online, whether it's here in person, when we submit to the word, when we receive it by faith, it shapes us. It helps us to interpret the experiences of our lives, to see as God sees, to get his viewpoint, his perspective, his understanding with the things that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. So be encouraged. He is faithful to complete the work. This morning is Palm Sunday, a week before Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday commemorates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It marks the beginning of his passion and what Christians have called for centuries Holy Week. The account of the triumphal entry is actually found in all four Gospels, but I chose to open with Luke's Gospel account because it's the only one that talks about the rocks crying out. Should the people hold back their praise, the rocks will cry out. The stones will cry out. What, an, what a powerful image of creation itself praising the one who made it. Each of the Gospels has their particular emphasis on the triumphal entry story. Matthew's focus is on the fulfillment of, of prophecy. He quotes directly from Zechariah's prophecy in chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, concerning the coming of Zion's king. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to shining sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Both Matthew and Mark then note that the crowds began to shout. What did they say? They began to shout, say it with me, Hosanna. Hosanna. You know what it means? It means save us. Deliver us. Lord, save us. Rescue us. Deliver us. Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven which is a direct quote from Psalm 118 in verse 25. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, with bows in hand, join in the festal procession. Up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen. John's emphasis on the story is on the fact that the crowds who gathered there on this day were in large part those who had personally witnessed the teachings and miracles of Jesus. Matthew mentions this as well. They weren't random people shouting, save us. They were the people who were part of the crowd who witnessed themselves the miraculous with their own eyes. They saw it with their own eyes, namely the miracle that Jesus did in raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem riding on a war horse. That's important. He came riding on a donkey. He came not warring, but in peace as the king of peace. He descended the Mount of Olives, and he came through the Golden Gate, which is also known as the Eastern Gate, not the one in Stouffville, the one in the city of David. The gate was also known as the Gate of Mercy. In order for us to capture exactly what was happening as Jesus was making his entry into Jerusalem, we actually need to back up a little bit to Luke chapter 9. There's a very important verse that I want to highlight, kind of take it out of context, and, and, and show you where this passion really started. It's in verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, you see, the problem is the NIV really doesn't do uh, this scripture justice to the original text. In the Greek, it actually says that he set his face toward Jerusalem. He set his face, his focus, his intention towards the city. You see, at a certain point in the ministry of Jesus, the teachings were complete. The parables had been spoken. It was time now to demonstrate his love to the world with action. It was time now for for him to, with resolve, with determination, with resoluteness, to set his face toward Jerusalem. 
He turned his face toward the city. He set his face toward all that he was going to accomplish on the cross. You see, he knew full well all of the suffering that he would endure, and yet he moved toward it with passion. You know, this truth is is really much more powerful when you recognize the fact that at any moment he could have ended it all. He could have stopped all of it in a moment. In an instant, he could have ended it. But instead, as the song says, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone on Calvary for you and for me. This marks the beginning of his passion. The time for talk was over. It was time now for action. I love how the Apostle Paul echoes this sentiment in a few places uh, in his own writings, particularly the writings to the Corinthian church. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And a couple chapters later in in 420, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You see, Jesus was determined to love you. Hebrews 12.2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Those of you watching online, Jesus was determined to love you. Those of you here in the sanctuary this morning, Jesus was determined to love you. He was resolute. He set his face towards the city. He was headed to Jerusalem, but he was coming for you. He was going to the city, but he was coming for me. It's a love story. And to illustrate it, I'm going to turn to an Avengers movie. Captain America, Iron Man. Captain America, over here, Iron Man. No? Anybody? I feel so alone. Iron Man, all right. Okay. You're wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> Captain America, you know, there is, there is this story in, in Captain America, and spoiler alert for those of you watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, don't worry, I won't spoil it, but I've been up and up on, on these new shows and uh, it's great. But really to understand this new show, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that just came out, they're going to have episode three on Friday, in case you're keeping track. And you really need to see um, the second Captain America movie, which is called The Winter Soldier. And it's a story about Captain America and his best friend, James Buchanan Barnes, or Bucky for short. You see, Bucky was brainwashed by the enemy, and he'd forgotten who he was. He didn't remember Captain America, his longtime friend. He was used by the enemy to do a bunch of really evil stuff. Captain America didn't even know he was alive, but he encounters his friend in the movie. 
and finally tracks him down. And they begin to battle and fight because Bucky doesn't recognize Steve, doesn't recognize Captain America, doesn't know of his long friendship with him. And earlier in their friendship, you know, Bucky really loved Steve. There was one time where Steve wasn't yet Captain America. He was just, you know, a little guy, and he got picked on and beat up in an alley. And Bucky came to save him. And Bucky told him, whatever happens, Steve, I'm with you till the end of the line. It was a way of letting him know that he'll always be his friend. And so now that we're in this movie and they encounter each other, and yet Bucky doesn't remember who he is, and he's, he, he, he's, he's become this evil guy doing a bunch of bad things, yet Captain America doesn't give up on him. And as they fight, Captain America stops fighting him and just allows himself to be hit, allows himself to be punched and suffers a, a beating. And he says, I'm not going to fight you, Bucky. You know me, and I know you. Bucky says, you should fight back. He says, no, because I'm with you to the end of the line. And I just thought that was just such a great picture. And, and a lot of these movies and a lot of these stories, they resonate with us because they really illustrate, they draw inspiration really directly from the gospel. If it's a good movie, then it does. And that's why it's such a beautiful picture of what the Lord has done for us. We have forgotten who we are. We have lost who we are. And Jesus stands and says, no, I know you. And I'm with you till the end of the line. Let me tell you, the virtue of the cross is the power to transform our hearts. There is power in the blood of Jesus. It has never lost its power. You might say, you don't understand my story. You know what? I don't, but the Lord does. You might say, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. You might say, before I even knew what was happening, even as a young child, I came from so much dysfunction. I came from such a place of brokenness. Even before I woke up and could realize what was happening, I was already headed in the wrong direction. You know, that's my story too. You might have thought all your life that all of the forces of this world have been against you. And you've been just been feeling so much pressure that you don't even know where to turn to. You might say, I'm not good for anything. How can I expect to have a normal life? How can I expect to have what everybody else has or seems to have? You never thought maybe that you'd be good for anyone. Let me tell you, that is so far from the truth. Because the good news today is that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He was coming to a city, but he was coming for you. He was headed to Jerusalem, but he was coming for me. You see, what we see, what you and I see, are the pain and the scars. But God says, you're beautiful to me. 
You see the ashes of hurt and disappointment, but God sees the value and the beauty in you. And your recognition of that is the path to redemption and the ground from which you are remade. He loves all of you, every single part of you. How can we be confident of this? Because in Philippians 1.6, it says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus is determined to love you. He set his face toward Jerusalem. Isaiah says it this way, my own arm achieved salvation. It's resolute, relentless, determined, focused, adamant, unshakable, unwavering, unstoppable. I use the online thesaurus for this. Unstoppable and steadfast. I love what the songwriter says, like the sea, she keeps kissing the shoreline no matter how many times he pushes her away. Jesus is ever faithful. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we mess up, when we fall, when we fail, he has made a way. He has covered our weaknesses. The other day, um, my kids were at home, and uh, something happened. You see, my older son was at the table doing some work focused, and my other son was playing kind of, we have a little play area in our living room, and he was over by there, which is kind of like behind the couch. Just kind of picture it for me. And um, you see, Mikey, he got a hold of some markers. Okay, you know where this one's going to. Okay, now normally, see, this is kind of our fault because normally we only allow him to have the markers at the table. But this time, the one time we kind of just let it happen, uh, he got a hold of the markers and he was just playing kind of quietly behind the couch. Okay. So uh, I went over there and he had marker all over his hands. And I look around and I see, oh my goodness, he has done artwork on the back of our couch. So I went from zero to 60 in like half a second. And I don't normally react well, but this time I reacted well, so that's why I'm telling the story. I went to the kitchen and I said, Mikey, you're in big trouble for this one. And he just was locked in on me. He was seeing exactly, you know, am I, am I going to get punished? Like, what's going to happen here? He just stood stiller than a statue and had his eyes focused on me. I went over to the kitchen, and I took a breath. I looked at Cecilia, and I was like, you know, it was so overwhelming in the moment that I didn't even know how to punish him in that moment. I don't, any parents in the house, okay? He says, I don't even know what to do at this point. But he had his eyes locked on me. So I took a breath, and I uh, said, all right, I don't even know what to do. So we got a little 
cup of water and I found an old toothbrush and, uh, and we got some little solvent soap and I said, Mikey, come here, sit down on this stool. You're going to brush it in little tiny circles. Okay? Clockwise, Mikey. <laughs> He's only four. Anyhow, we got most of it out, praise God. And it, it ended up being kind of a good consequence for him because it was productive and most of it came out. But the special thing that happened wasn't in the moment. It was during the night. My wife was putting them to bed, and I usually go in and say goodnight. And he told my wife, uh, I have something I want to say to Daddy. So I went in to see him. And he just looked at me, and he said, I'm sorry, Dad. And I know it's a small thing, but I could have really messed that up if I would have reacted bad. And instead, that moment of grace, it led him to repentance. And Romans 2.4 says that the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. His mercy, his kindness, his grace, and forgiveness, it transforms our brokenness into beauty. Jesus has shown and proved that he is with you till the end of the line. You see, the pain in your heart right now can't keep Jesus from loving you. No scar, physical or emotional, can undo, bless God, the work of the cross. It's finished forever. Before we were even born, it was done for us, and it is more than enough. see, Jesus is more than enough. You can't earn his love. He accomplished it even before we were born. The scriptures are thousands of years old. Anybody hit a thousand yet? No. And the word of God remains and will remain long after we're out of here. Think about that. The Bible is thousands of years old. And it remains. The word of God stands the test of time like nothing else because the word of God is the expression of his love. Look at Ephesians 3, 16. This is Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. I pray that out of his glorious riches, out of all his abundance, all of his riches, all of his majesty and wealth and honor, he may strengthen you with not talk, but power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in this love, that you're holding on to this love, that you're grounded in this love, regardless of what the newspaper says, or the media, or online, or, or whatever. That you are rooted and grounded, established in this love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that passes talk, passes knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. It's more than enough, church. His love is more than enough, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our situation. His love is enough. Say this, he is enough. So I am enough. Jesus, you are enough. Say it. So I am enough. You are enough. So I am enough. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. It's not about talk. It's about power. It's about action. Jesus set his face towards the city. He set his face towards Jerusalem. He was going to the city, but he was coming for you and me. So what do we need to worry about? Matthew 6 says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The answer is no. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. I put on my blessed black blazer this morning, but it doesn't even matter. The Lord has something better for you. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? You see, 